If you're growing a business or just thinking about launching a startup, this is definitely the podcast for you. This is Fast Forward, brought to you by Tech Manchester. We support early stage tech focused businesses. Each week, we'll dive into the issues that we know keep entrepreneurs awake at night. We'll chat to experts who'll share their tips and advice on how to handle everything from raising finance, making your first hire, to getting your company noticed on social media or in the press. Running a business is a roller coaster. It's exhilarating, but it's pretty damn scary at times too. We're here to help you get your business off the ground and hopefully get a better night's sleep. It's hosted by me, Patricia Keating, Executive Director at Tech Manchester. Welcome back to the Fast Forward podcast. To mark International Women's Day, which was held on the 8th of March, we are dedicating this entire month to amazing women. And my guest today is certainly that. Don Embry heads up the strategy and planning function for global software services company Mobica. She has over 15 years experience in strategic growth, sales and business development. And she has worked for a variety of technology business leaders around the world. She's a mum of three. And in her spare time, she's managed to squeeze in learning a language or two. And she's incredibly passionate about helping other women find their strength. And she's here today to share some of her expertise. Welcome, Dawn. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so intrigued to learn about your your language and how that has fitted into your career journey. So let's start there. I'd love to hear about how you've ended up in Manchester and what you were doing before Mobica and how did you learn all these languages? (laughs) Sure. So um, I started languages at school and that's actually what brought me to Manchester. So I went to University of Salford and did a multi-language degree doing marketing. Mm -hmm. So doing it in several languages which then took As me if out. marketing wasn't hard enough. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we um, we had to do a third in each language. You end up doing accountancy in French and ethics in Spanish. Um, so it was it was a great degree yeah. and actually took me to different countries. So I ended up working for Alcatel in France and working for a tech company in Spain, which is where I really got the, um, I, I guess, the bite for tech. Mm. So I started it at university, came out and then started working for a relatively small um, mature startup, if you like, in in technology in Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. And from there have gone from tech company to tech company, typically working in different countries. Um, so, you know, I was, I was a bit of a language pony when I worked in the first startup and we expanded into different areas. So I was given the challenge each time of having six weeks to learn a language before we went out and expanded in that particular area. That's like I could probably sit, spend the rest of the podcast just talking and going, how did you learn a language in six weeks? That's amazing. Such an amazing aptitude to be able to to do that. You learn it enough to get by. I mean, there's always the languages that you can speak and can continue to do business in mm. as you go forward. Um, but there's a certain level that you can get by on with a six week intensive course. So what kind of places did it take you around the world? Um, so I was in Russia. I was in Malaysia. 
Australia, although, you know, clearly I didn't need to learn the language to go there. Um, Various different places, a lot of European places. Um, I guess the most interesting one I went to was Pakistan. Mm -hmm. Um, We were launching tech in an area which was unheard of in Pakistan and had infrastructure challenges and social challenges and everything that you expect with a new technology innovation here. But just, um, I, I guess, um, made even bigger because of the cultural situation we were in. Yeah, um, we've had Marion Gamel on the podcast this month, and she has um, a career that spanned a number of different uh, country launches for Google. And we talked to her about the cultural challenges of being a woman leading a team in yeah. those countries. Is that something that uh, you experienced? I suppose it varied greatly from country to country. Yeah, no, it it really did. Um, I I did have some challenges being a woman in that environment, more from an expectation base. So um, when I was working out in Malaysia, when I was working in Pakistan, I did a lot of the introduction work in the UK. And it was only when I got to those countries that they realised I was a woman, which which caused quite a shock because they weren't expecting it. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, the, the teams I worked in were very accommodating, but it was quite a shock because... At that time, and we're talking a decade ago, things have moved mm. on a lot more now, um, but it, it just wasn't common for a woman to be in that position of leadership, you know, directing a team of 100 or so, predominantly men. Most of the women were in support functions in mm-hmm. a lot of the countries that I worked in at that time, as things have moved on in the last decade, but it was challenging country to country. And then you've managed to find your way back to Manchester. You've been here since 2014. How did you make your way back? And yeah. did you come back to Mobica or where did you go? Yeah, so I'd actually been back in Manchester since about 2011 mm. um, as a base. I worked away. So um, I moved back to Manchester and then worked away four days a week. <laughs> um, I came back full time into Manchester in 2014 when I joined Mobica. Um, the... The challenge that Mobica had and the journey it was on was really exciting. I was working for a big corporate tech company and we'd grown massively and I kept hearing things about this innovative, massive, fast-growing organisation called Mobica Mm -hmm. and 20% a year, 30% a year on year growth um, working in really cool technologies that I'd heard about and they were after someone else to join their management team. So I went along and joined and I'm obviously six years on still there now. Nice. Um, now, since you've been here and since you've been back in the tech scene you've, in the Northwest, you've noticed that there's something um, a little bit different um, about the tech scene here compared to other places that you've been. What is it that you've observed? Yeah, so it's it's really, it's a really, um, I guess the tech scene here feels smaller than what it is because everyone knows each other and everyone supports each other. Hmm. Um, so I've worked in a lot of tech environments like in London and like in Paris where you know the people that are directly within your industry um, but you don't necessarily work with them on an ongoing basis. I could go out every evening in the week if I wanted and go to another tech meetup in Manchester um, because there are tech meetups for professional skills, there are tech meetups for the different subsectors in the verticals, there are tech meetups for women, for testers, there are just tech meetups because the organisations want to get together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have things like with um, the big redundancies that happened last year and the whole of the Manchester tech scene came together within 24 hours. There were WhatsApp groups, there were emails around and we all got together to see how we could find jobs for the couple of hundred people that were displaced Mm -hmm. that doesn't 
feel like a normal tech scene to me. That's a community in mm. its, its purest of sense. Um, people know each other. There's a lot of collaborative working. And it's not always about what's in it for me and my organisation because you know it will play out down the line. It's very much about how can we make this a real tech powerhouse? How can we um, bring some of the power here, some of the knowledge here? How can we make it, you know, everyone talks about not comparing it to London because it's different. Yeah, It really is different. Um, I've never seen a community that is so solid and knows so much about the experience that's um, that's within that geographical area. And do you think other areas could learn from the Northwest? And what do you think they could take? Could they could they replicate it? Because it's something that they could do. Do you think other areas? Yeah, a- absolutely. I think um, what stands out for me in the Northwest are the number of people that are willing to stand up and go the extra mile even though it's not necessarily revenue linked or, you know, personal benefit linked, there are a number of people who you could send a message to and say, can we meet up? I want help with something. Generally, you'll owe them a beer and that's yeah. okay because we all like <laughs> yeah. to have a glass of wine. Um, but but they're there and that's because of some of the leaders and when I'm talking about leaders, I'm talking about community leaders. So some of those are in very senior positions in organisations. Some of those are just people who are incredibly passionate at whatever level of the organisation that they work in, mm-hmm. but are passionate about bringing people onto the scene in Manchester. Um, so that, absolutely, you need to find those right people if those right people exist. Um, I think other things in Manchester are the companies that work in Manchester. So there are a number of organisations that willingly give out their facilities and their big open plan bars, auditoriums and things to actually bring the community together. That makes it easier because if you're starting to look for a venue, then Mm. clearly the cost starts to come in. Um, But absolutely, I think, um, you know, Leeds is very up and coming. I'm starting to see some real community focus there it's just not on the scale that Manchester is I think it's harder in London because it's bigger yeah um but you if you look if you look well in London there are subsections of it so you have Shoreditch and Old Street which are very tight when it comes to fintech it's just not all across London yeah um I think I would absolutely agree with everything you just said there um and I think it's uh kind of bred into or certainly through like the lining of Manchester I think it always talks about how collaborative community solidarity and those are the words that um, Andy Burnham used last Thursday at the launch of the new digital blueprint by the Greater Manchester Combined Authority um, which is our new digital strategy for the next uh, two years which is a really interesting recognition that the last one was only two years old and they've recognised that they need to be constantly uh, re-innovating that policy to make sure that it is fit for purpose. Um, so it was a really inspiring event actually to be at um, to see the vision that they have and there's some really new exciting announcements that they're going to make around infrastructure for, for Greater Manchester. But solidarity, collaboration and community were the three sort of themes that ran through, ran through that launch and will run through the paper, which is available online on the GMCA website. You will not find a paper copy of it because they have gone wholly digital <laughs> with it. <laughs> Um, now, um, you and I are both very uh, passionate about getting, um, you know, more women in business yeah. and uh, seeing them develop and help support them on that um, journey. Um, and I would, uh, from what you were just saying there, I would imagine you find yourself quite often as the only woman um, in the room. Um, but actually, over the course of your career that you've maybe found age being more of a cha- challenge than than gender. 
Um, why was that? Yeah, so I think in a lot of circumstances, you you do turn up, and you, you, it might be that you're the only woman in the room. For me, it's 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 almost like if you think of yourself as being the only woman in the room, then you are actually you're in the room because you deserve to be in the room because you've got something to add. So really, you're a person in the room. Um, you know, we had one of our new apprentices um, in Mobica come to the Reframe event when I presented that Women in Tech event, and he was one of the only men in the room, but it didn't phase him because mm-hmm. he was just a person in the room that had something valuable to add. And I think we all need to think about that a bit more. Um, absolutely. Throughout the course of my career, I'm very lucky to say that I've never felt any issue with being a woman. Sometimes it has been an issue with age. Um, and that's what do you mean by that? So um, I guess when I started my career and I was in my knowledge map um, and I was really young, I was early 20s. Mm-hmm. I was in an ambitious startup that had grown massively to a million. And suddenly I found myself probably age 22 standing in front of a board of a directors at some of the massive retail giants and Ministry of Defence. And you find people that are three and four times your age suddenly mm-hmm. questioning you. Um, and I guess some of the stigma that comes with that, so... You know, has she earned her stripes? Does she know yeah. what she's talking about? Um, this proposal that she's giving, does she really understand the implications of it? I found that more than anything. Um, I know a lot of people have found the same as they've gone up the ranks really quickly to suddenly be there and to bring out that credibility. And I think sometimes that's what we find with women in tech as well, because sometimes we doubt ourselves a bit too much. Yeah. Um, and that has the same issue on the credibility line. So if you doubt yourself, you bring that doubt in, whereas you just need to know that if you're in the room and you're there, you deserve to be there um, and you're there because of your opinions, not because of who you are. Yeah, it's that um, imposter syndrome, isn't Absolutely. it? That little chimp on our shoulders. Yeah. Um, which is okay to have it, I think, but it's only if you have control of it. Because if you have it, it means that you're stretching yourself and you're pushing your, pushing your boundaries. But if you let it take control. But I don't think that's limited to women. I mm. think that's Agreed. anybody. Yeah. I think everybody has that imposter syndrome. So, you know, going into something and thinking this is a stretch and do I really know this and are they going to know more than me? That's not because I'm a woman. That's because I'm in an environment where I stretch myself and I challenge myself and I put myself into unknown situations. You know, that old adage that life starts at the um, at the boundary of your comfort zone, I really yeah. believe in. And that, that can be for everybody. Do you have any tips for um, anyone that maybe struggles with that, to how to overcome it or how to deal with that and harness it, I suppose? Sure. So I, I do think it's about harnessing it. I don't think you ever overcome it. And if you have overcome it and feel comfortable in every room, then you're probably not in the right rooms. <laughs> <laughs> Go into bigger rooms. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think um, if you feel comfortable all the time, then you're probably not giving yourself the opportunity to grow. Mm. Um, and growing is uncomfortable. You know, you have growing pains and it's uncomfortable. But just embrace that. Um, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, What's the worst that's going to happen? Exactly. What's the worst that's going to happen? Feel the fear and do it anyway. Know that you've got just as much right to be there as anyone else. Do your homework, do your prep um, and just be honest to yourself. Yeah. Um, There is obviously quite a few... um, cultural challenges at grassroots for women and that's they start back you know from school level um you know the things that we're maybe facing as women internally ourselves the challenges mm-hmm. we battle ourselves as well as the external ones and we'll come on to discrimination in a minute 
Um, but what could we do um, at the, you know, from a grassroots level? What could be happening um, before we even get into the workplace to help women get onto more of an even footing um, with our male counterparts as we go into the workplace? Sure. So I think it's interesting that it happens somewhere along those grassroots. So um, my six-year-old and I were having a debate a few months ago. Um, <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> oh, we do. He's the person that challenges me most in the entire world. Yeah. Um, and we were having a debate and we were talking about prejudice and um, he didn't understand what it meant. So I gave him an example. What did you give um, me an example? So I said, well, it's like somebody saying they didn't want to work with me because I'm a woman. And he looked at me like I was absolutely insane. And he said, but mummy, no one ever does that, surely. That's just stupid. <laughs> so, so at some level... Record that move your ringtone. <laughs> but at some level between six and going up, something happens. Yeah. Um, because that idea that somebody would not want to do something because I was a woman was so alien to him mm-hmm. that he thought I was making it up. He thought it was just a random silly fact that mummy had brought on. I think some of it is some of the unconscious bias that we put in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is not because we're being prejudiced, but it's just the unconscious bias. And we're all, you know, we all do that. I buy yeah. my sons a football because they like playing football. Yeah. Um, and whether that's unconscious bias or whether it's because I know that they like playing football, who knows? Um, I think there are some things that we can structurally do to make sure that everyone has that level of opportunity. Um, so I take all of my kids to Coda Dojo, yeah. um, you know, and it is predominantly full of boys. Um, but, you know, we do it and it's great fun and there are some girls there and we're starting to bring that up. So things like Coda Dojos, coding clubs. Um, do, the, do, your, do you have girls? Yeah, so I have one um, stepdaughter and two boys. Two boys. And does she notice or do they collectively, do they notice in Coder Dojo that it's mainly boys or is it oblivious to them at that age? It is completely oblivious. So they're they just kids. Yeah. They they don't recognise. It's never commented on because I do think it's just it's transparent at that level. Hmm. So we notice and obviously I walk in the room and I do my head count and oh, look and go, go Oh, I wish there were more girls here yeah. and encourage some of my boys' friends to bring their older sisters and you have the questions like, Well, are there any girls there? But I really do think it's transparent at that level. It comes a time, so um my husband's an aeronautical engineer. And he always laughs that when he was at university and we met at university here, there was one woman on his course mm. um, and there were several hundred and there were one there was one woman on there. Now, something has to have gone wrong for that to be the case. Um, and some of it might just be that it's not as attractive. And actually, it's hard walking into a place where you're the only woman. So regardless of... When you're so young as well. Yeah, exactly. And having the confidence, it takes a real level of confidence to say, you know what, I'm going to be here every day for the next four years and either be the only woman or the, you know, only 2%. It's really enlightening to see some of those statistics have changed a lot. It's been 20 years since I've been to uni and I can see now that the statistics are up. But it is biased towards um, towards males going into technology, which then makes it harder as organisations employing people coming out because you can have the most open recruitment policy and proactively recruit women in. But if there's not that level of um, equality in coming through in the training of it, everyone's always going to find that harder. Yeah, and I think that's echoed in the statistics because I think half the women in tech, um, unfortunately, have had said that they've experienced some kind of gender bias um, working in technology, which is part of our challenge is that it's not just about getting more women into tech, it's keeping 
the ones that are there and making sure that they feel welcome and, and included. What can be done about things like that? So I think, and it's disheartening to see those statistics coming up again and again, um, I think in many organisations that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And I do wonder whether there's a bias with the type of organisations that that happens in because I look at the organisations that I've worked with and I've worked for and you you really don't see that. As I say, it takes a certain level of confidence when there's always a lower number. Um, I think as... As women in tech, as a movement, as a solidarity, you do, there's always room to share the stage. You know, if you look at the Sheryl Sandberg stuff, there's there's always room yeah. to share the stage. And one of the things I like most in Manchester is the thing I hear most is what can I do to help? Yeah. And it doesn't matter what job role those people are doing. It's always what can I do to help? How can I help boost you? What knowledge do you need? And I think we just need to keep doing that. Yeah. Um, and there will be other there will be other biases that we're, we're not putting into the spotlight as we are with women in tech yeah. that are having an equally difficult time. And so I almost see it as... It's not, like women and gender is the easy conversation, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's the one that's easier. Who's to say that I'm not discriminated against because I'm five foot two? <laughs> and so actually, you know what, in an event... I could be getting discriminated <laughs> against because I'm nearly nearly six foot. <laughs> absolutely. And maybe it's or Irish. I, <laughs> But it's harder and yeah. you don't get statistics on it. Yeah. I think we need to start looking more at inclusivity. So not necessarily how can we include, how can we increase women in tech? How yeah. can we look at the um, gender bias? But much more about how we can be inclusive. So how it's about... Breaking down all barriers. Absolutely. Um, there was the great... Um, What's that saying that they say that inclusivity only comes when we stop looking at division? Hmm. Um, so when we start going, it's all about inclusivity, no matter who, what, when, where you've come from, who you are, what you yeah. believe in. Actually, it's open doors. That's when I think we'll get progress. Well, thank you. You've just nailed it on the head, haven't you? It's like we're intersectional. We're more than one one thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, you've been fortunate enough to work for a company that does provide and values um, flexible working. Mm -hmm. um, as a mum, how has that helped you continue sort of uh, growing in your career? How has that empowered you in your, in your role? Absolutely. So I've been very lucky with Mobica. Um, and what does flexible working mean in that sense? Because obviously it means different things, doesn't it? So it does. And yeah. we have an open policy, just like everybody, where you can ask for flexible working. Um, in my case, I do a lot of evening events and um, they've been very open in the fact that I have young children and I need to do what works for us. So mm -hmm. in that case, it means that on a Friday, I don't work. Um, sometimes I'll go home early on a Wednesday. Um, but then I might have several um, events during the week that I need to go on in an evening. I think we've um, I think we've gone past the nine to five presenteeism <laughs> yes. in, in life where you have to rock up and you need to be yeah. there for those particular hours. Yeah. It's much more about, you know, we're, we're adults. We're passionate about what we do. Mm -hmm. We're very lucky in the technology sector that it enables us to do that. So we don't necessarily have to um, be in every second um, yeah. to be able to get the work done. Now, as I say, I, I'm very lucky in that the environment I work in enables me to be flexible so that the company get the best that they can from me and my children get the best that they can from me. So I get the best of both worlds. And actually, I, I think 
a lot of people speak to me about how you can be a great mum and how you can still give your all at work. And I don't think it's an either or. I think I'm actually a better mum because I work. And I think I'm a better worker because I'm a mum. Mm. So there's nobody who could train me in time management and multitasking <laughs> as much as my children do. Or, you know, as I said earlier, my six-year-old yeah. challenges me more than anything. You know, he's constantly on the seven whys. And um, when I get to about the fifth why, if I yeah. don't know the answer, I actually think maybe this isn't the right decision. <laughs> um, so maybe he should be my boss. Um, sounds brilliant. <laughs> um, and, you know, working makes me a better mum it enables me to do what challenges me um so that when I come home I don't have that level of frustration so am I achieving what I want um I I know some people who really struggle because they've had to give up their careers to be the mum that they want to be um but I'm the mum that I want to be and I have an amazing career in a company that supports me so I'm very lucky what can other employers take from that in terms of like what I guess there's there's a value to Mobica being able to facilitate your that balance that you were looking to strike. Um, how can other employers learn from that and and to maybe take some of that practice into their own businesses for the talent yeah. for the talent that they would potentially be holding on to or attracting? Absolutely. So it always has to be clearly about business benefit. So it has to make sure that you're still getting what you need from the business. Um, But we need to start thinking more flexibly than that. Um, I don't think that you get the best from people by having them there presenteeism. Mm. If they're sitting there looking at their watch thinking, when's breakfast club going to start? Yeah. Or, you know, who's picking up the kids? Who's picking up the kids? You're not going to have your 20% of your brain somewhere else. Absolutely. So a great thing is, um, you know, and I was speaking to some of my sales colleagues about this. When you're in the room, like I keep going back to rooms, but be there, be present. So when I'm with my children, I'm really present. When I'm in work, I'm 100% present. That doesn't mean that you leave things at the door um you know I I know a lot of people that feel that they can't talk about being a mum at work and would actually cringe doing a podcast talking about being a mum but I don't shy away from the fact that I like playing hockey or you know playing tennis You, you are who you are and that makes you better in both circumstances so I guess for other employers it's recognizing your people for their talents um, not seeing families as being a limitation, mm-hmm. um, but actually empowering your people. And if you enable them to have an amazing home life as well as an amazing work life, they'll be stickier, they'll stay with you and you'll get the loyalty that we get. And you'll get the best out of them. Yeah. So what advice would you have for, for women? You've had such an incredible, uh, stellar career um, and have now found yourself at the top end of the of the um, of, of C-suite uh, leadership. Um, what advice would you have for women who are on that pathway and are looking to achieve those those same height, heights of success? Um, I, I guess to enjoy the journey as well as the destination. Um, so it's there's a lot of challenges and a lot of learning that you get along the way. And sometimes when I look back in retrospect, maybe I haven't enjoyed the journey as much. Um, and it, it's an incredible journey and you you need to challenge yourself at each step of the way and by challenging yourself you'll end up there because you you get a seat at the table by being passionate and by demonstrating success and bravery and strategy and how you go about things and you know really I guess getting stuck in and if you're constantly focused on where you're going to you won't enjoy it enough. You won't mm. get stuck in enough. So you might not actually get there. So don't get focused on can you get there. Um, some 
some um, people I did some mentoring for were very much focused on, well, what if I can't get there? What if there's a glass ceiling and I can't get above? And, you know, everyone in my organisation above a certain level is male and everyone above my organisation knows such and such. And there was a reason for why all of these glass ceilings existed. And I Were think, they putting them in place themselves? Exactly. So that's my <laughs> issue, is that actually... I've never noticed a glass ceiling, but maybe that's because I've blasted through it because I refuse to believe that they exist. Mm. And if you focus on what's stopping you get there, then you won't ever get there. Um, so, the you know, the saying, if you believe it possible or believe it impossible, you're probably right. Yeah. So if you think that you can't get there, there's a good chance you won't ever get there and you'll stay at the position that you think you can get to. Um, but if you just plough on, if you focus on what you're doing right now and be amazing at it and then look at what else can I do, what else can I do, you'll suddenly find yourself sitting at a table going, wow, what an incredible journey. Yeah, it's the steps. It's the little yeah. steps, isn't it? Marginal gains, I think they talk about Absolutely. it in British cycling, yeah. don't they? Um, and then what kind of things when you're at the table, um, I guess we both are now uh, to some extent in terms of being there and uh, taking that seat. What can we do to help others come behind us? What kind of things do you do? So I think it's about supporting people. Um, it's about listening. I don't think it's necessarily about just supporting women. I think it's about supporting people that are early in their career or stuck in their career, being a sounding board um, whether that's formal mentoring or whether that's just sitting there and being that sounding board, um, you know, so people can say, um, this might be a stupid question, but, mm. and at some point they stop saying this might be a stupid question, but they start saying, I have a question. Because if you validate people's questions and you listen to them enough, then they start realising that there aren't any stupid questions. Or, you know, when people start with, this might be a stupid idea, but um, <laughs> it's because they've not had enough ideas. Yeah. So you need to be that person that they can practice and role play their stupid ideas or stupid questions with um, so that eventually they stop being they stop being downplayed yeah. and they start just being another idea. Um, because I don't think we're going to get the innovation that we need within the tech sector if actually some of the wackiest ideas aren't ever spoken about. Some of the wackiest ideas that we've got have created the most amazing innovations that no one would have ever thought of, um, but we have them now because someone was brave enough to say, hey, I've got an idea which is completely different to anything you guys have ever thought about before. Mm -hmm. So we need to be encouraging that. And a lot of that comes from people that are from different backgrounds, um, so we're seeing a lot of lateral hires, a lot of retrains into the tech sector. I'm really excited about that. Um, you know, a lot of people coming back to work after maternity leave, joining the tech sector, having not worked in it before. I think they're going to have some of the most golden ideas because they don't come with the learned knowledge that we have. So as long as they have the confidence to express those, then the world's our oyster. Yeah, it goes back to helping them build that confidence, isn't yeah. it? And breaking, smashing down those barriers. Um, I have really enjoyed listening to your story today, Don, and thank you so much for sharing your advice um, and the challenges that you faced along your own journey. Uh, I'm sure there are many people who are on that C-suite journey who will hopefully get um, a better night's sleep. <laughs> thank thank you. you. It's been great to be here. Prison.